What's up, witches? It's Claudia here, and I have some exciting news. Finally, we have created a Patreon. So you can find us at patreon.com forward slash true crime coffin pot. At the moment, there is only one tier. It's the familiar tier, and it's just where you can chuck us a quid just to help keep us going every month. We aim to expand on this and create new tiers and exciting content. But for now, if you'd like to support us in this way, please do go ahead. That's patreon.com forward slash true crime coffin pod. Enjoy the episode, guys. What's up, witches? Hi, I'm Claudia. And I'm Jess. And welcome to True True Crime Coven. So hi, Jess. How are you? Hey, Claudia. I'm good. Just melting yep yep uh what what is the temperature today um, um climate change was all i know yeah i um, feel like it's like 34 35 degrees yep the time yep. is quarter past seven and it's 32 degrees which is pretty unheard of in yeah the UK. although this is going to be released on monday and my weather app says rain on monday so Oh, the rain's <laughs> down in my Hopefully it is raining down. a little bit and a bit cooler on Monday, so I hope everyone else isn't melting as much as we are. I was meant to be on a day shift tomorrow and they were like, anyone want to do nights? And even though I've got your baby shower on Saturday, I was like, I'll do a night shift because I'd much rather <laughs> oh my be God, tired yes. and like, and I cold. mean, I won't be that tired, but then not have to work during the heat of the day. Yeah. I've been really lucky, like, most of my job is now talking to people in many rooms or, like, doing referrals, and it's the two rooms I have to work in are air-conditioned. It's just walking between the two rooms that I melt. Oh, well, my heart bleeds. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I can talk, I've just had 10 days off and been on holiday. Fair. Oh, yeah, but, how was yeah. Amsterdam? Great. Sadly, only saw one cat the entire time I was there. Oh, I okay. normally do um, counts of cats that I see when I'm abroad. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair. I say normally. I started doing it in Malta and it's a tradition yeah. I tried to a, carry on. A good um, place to do it is Cyprus. There's a lot of stray cats yeah. in Cyprus. Well, I met up with a friend whilst I was in Amsterdam. Hi, Houston. And his friend, my friend, Odette, who is from Holland. And mm. she was like, yeah, most people in Amsterdam have expensive cats. They keep them inside. And I was like, that's selfish. Oh, yeah, no fair. <laughs> it's not selfish at all. It's great for wildlife. But, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see a cat, there is one just here. I mean, I have a cat outside. but I don't even know if I can tilt this enough to see her. My oh. cat croaker was pretty crap. I, I can't. Ah, there he is. There she is. She sorry. is, yes. She's looking oh, right at way, you. If you're thinking our um, audio sounds a bit rough, it's because it, we had a bit of a is. clash with um, my boyfriend. <laughs> Mikey also has a podcast. I'll shout it out, even though he doesn't shout out ours. Rude. It's called Podiat. And he's recording at exactly the same time. So I have been put downstairs, which is cooler, to be fair. Yeah. But it means that I my microphone doesn't work as well down here. Yeah, and I'm um, from home again, which obviously my audio is yeah, awful. So if we sound a bit uh, rubbish, blame <laughs> It's Mikey's fault. And, um, hey, Mikey, Peter and Ben. Yeah. Send them all your hate. <laughs> <laughs> Their podcast is a very different vibe to ours as well, isn't it? Very different vibe. But it is a good podcast. Yeah. And I would say go listen to it, but he doesn't tell you to go listen to ours. So, um, fuck them. Boycott <laughs> it, if anything. <laughs> Send them hey. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> ben and Peter are great people. Mikey's great. Um, 
<laughs> anyway, should we, because I'm melting, should we just get into the case today? Yeah, let's go straight for yeah, it. Yeah, should we just go for it? Let's so, do it. Today is a case that I know some of our listeners will definitely know because a lot of my friends follow the foundation set up in her honour by her amazing mother. And that's because a lot of people I know, and likely a lot of our listeners actually, resonate with the victim in this case because they were someone who was killed simply for being different from the norm. Mm. Someone who was part of the alternative scene, a scene which I consider myself a part of. Yeah. And so today we're going to speak about the murder of Sophie Lancaster. Do you know this name, Jess? Yes, that name does ring a bell. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, I, it we, is a very well-known case. It is. I think we would have been about 13. Yeah. Nope. nope. Wait. 12. Wait, yeah. nope. I can't do maths. It's too hot. 2007 was when this case happened. 14. We would have been 14. 14. So I would have been well in my emo phase yeah. by that point. But also 14, I would say that I was aware of what's going on, but like... You listen to the news more and you take in more. Yeah, but then also I was spending my time on MySpace trying to get my theme perfect rather than watching the news. I will put that one out there. But before we get on to speak about Sophie, I think it might be a good idea to establish what the alternative scene is. Yeah. I do think obviously most people know what we're on about. (laughs) I don't want (laughs) to patronise people. But alternative scene, actually, alternative lifestyle can mean many different things. And so let's make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. So whenever I speak about the alternative scene, or more specifically the fact that I consider myself to be a part of it, I cringe because <laughs> I think it's a lack of self-confidence, but also it's just like one of those things like, I'm so different. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just, it makes you cringe. But today we're talking about the goth subculture. And this is something that I don't consider myself to be a part of really, but I like, a, a, you know, sort of a branch off of it. You know, yeah. I'll jokingly call myself a goth with two Fs and I'm cringing as I say it. <laughs> but it's just like, that's almost like the meme part of it, like the soft pastel goth yeah. thing. Pastel goth would laugh at me. Um, <laughs> for example, I had pink and blue hair and wore bright yellow yesterday. So Yeah, you um, it was a very nice dress that you wore. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so when we're speaking about subcultures, it's hard to establish exactly what is meant because mm. by their own definition they can't really be put into a box. So yeah, as I said, I'm someone who has been asked before if they're goth. More so when I had black hair, but I remember in my nursing training, an older nurse looking at me and going, So are you a bit gothic? And I kind of quickly ran through in my head like do I like turn around and say like, oh no, I'm more like a bit of a grungy emo or do I just not even go there? So I just decided to not even go there. I went, yeah, sure. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's easier to be fair than yeah. trying to explain to people who don't get it. But yeah, and it's, it's the same as anything though. The more awareness, the better. Exactly. And that makes it sound so silly because it's, it's, it's not something that needs awareness, but it is, but it's not. But we'll get more into that. Well, it before. is It is when we're going into a case where that's the reason yeah. that someone was victimised. Yeah, exactly. Because so of how it's, they look. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. But as I said, if someone who was actually goth, who listened to The Cure and Bauhaus and dressed in like Victorian gothic attire, heard me say, yeah, I'm gothic, they would be like, what? <laughs> they would laugh at me. <laughs> but in that vein, I do have friends who dress like that. And listen to that kind of music. My dad himself, he loves Bauhaus and has gone to their gigs. So, you know, I, I feel quite safe within that subculture. And yeah. I've been to some great rock nights. Went to one last year, which was pretty fun <laughs> and bizarre. 
So if we go to good old Wikipedia and search for goth, this is what comes up. Goth is a subculture that began in the UK during the early 1980s. Not going to lie, I'm surprised it's that recent. Yeah, I sort of feel a lot older than that. But I think that's because it takes a lot of inspiration from Edwardian and Victorian styles. So it, it looks older, doesn't it? It's developed by the fans of gothic rock, mm. an offshoot of the post-punk music genre. You've also got like ethereal wave and gothic wave. Not going to lie, couldn't tell you what that sounds like, but we probably all know the band. The subculture has associated tastes in music, aesthetics and fashion. So the music listened to is often rock. Notable gothic artists are people such as Bauhaus and The Cure, mentioned above, mm-hmm. Susie and the Banshees, Adam Ant. And I'm sure people can say lots more, like the doors. There's, there's so many, yeah. and there's things that I'm not even aware of. The aesthetic, as I think most people know, tend to be dark. So we're talking black hair, black or dark clothing, and dark eye makeup. And now that we've sort of established what we mean by the alternative scene and specifically what we're talking about today, mm-hmm. let's start speaking about someone who is strongly associated with it, yeah. both in their life and in their death. So let's talk about Sophie Lancaster. Sort of no trigger warnings today, other okay. than the usual, yeah. the horrible murder. Yeah, but you kind of know what you're getting into when you come to a crime podcast, I hope, by exactly. now. It doesn't make it any less horrific, but no, no trigger warnings that I can think of. So, Sophie Lancaster was born on November 26, 1986, in Lancashire, a county in the northwest of England, to parents Sylvia and John Lancaster. Growing up, she attended Bacup and Rawtonstall Grammar School and Haslingdon High School. Sophie was described by her mum, Sylvia, as being intelligent and independent from a young age. She didn't have many friends at school, but didn't seem to mind and certainly didn't suffer fools gladly. At just six years old, she became a vegetarian after becoming aware of animal cruelty. And growing up, she would express her upset at poverty around the world, showing how mindful she was. And I'm not going to lie, she sounds like someone who would definitely be one of my friends. She already sounds like she has a lot of the same values as you. Yeah, I mean, I first went veggie when I was six as well. Um, It didn't last because my teachers believed me. But um, (laughs) yeah. Oh, bless. Um, (laughs) My mum had so my mum's a child mind of context she had a little girl come to the realization that a chicken is a farm animal and a food you eat the other day and I was like oh like I didn't really like think because obviously mate I made that distinction years ago I've forgotten about it but obviously she was like but chickens are animals how are they also food (laughs) and then my mum was like "Mm, well they don't have to be food (laughs) It's a difficult one when your child mind as well, because when you're a parent, you get to decide how you go about that. And yeah. then you, but as a child mind, you can't really be like, you don't have to eat it. Yeah, it's not your <laughs> not kid to, to you. put, yeah. Yeah, so that's, it's a bit like if they're like, where do the babies come from? And you're like, ask your mother. <laughs> yeah, not, not a conversation for me. <laughs> not for a child mind, no. No. After spending one summer with a friend when she was 12 in 1998, Sophie returned home and according to Sylvia, she had blossomed, walking through the door with newly dyed hair. And this is something that she would carry into the rest of her life, always mm. dyeing her hair. And at the age of 18, she moved in with her boyfriend, Robert Maltby, Rob to his friends and family, who was a year older than her and an art student from Manchester. In 2007, she was on a gap year after which she planned to attend Accrington and Rosendale College to study English. And this wasn't like a gap year. This was just like time off for a just year, year to off. just have a bit of break from education and yeah. completely get that. I did 
similar thing. I yeah. did go straight to uni from school, but then I dropped out and some time off. I think, I think it's good to really have healthy. a year off. Yeah. Yeah, because you spend a lot of your life in school. You're like four years, well, you go to like nursery and then you're like four years old till you're 18. You do 14 solid years in school. Yeah, and it's quite Great institutionalized as well, school, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and so. if you're someone who is a bit different from the norm, you might not exactly flourish in that environment. Yeah. But she was very intelligent and really good at English. Yeah. Um, so she did want to go back and study. Sophie and Robert's families would say that they were both intelligent and sensitive. And whilst they were not the types to get into trouble, they had had problems in the past because they stood out. Mm. And why did they stand out? Well, because they were both a part of the goth subculture. For example, Sophie Lancaster had black and red hair. She had stretched ears, which she wore tunnel gauges in. And she had multiple facial piercings, such as her septum, which is the middle bit between your nostrils. A lip piercing in both sides of her bottom lip in a snake bite style which was very reminiscent of that time of like the mm. emo goth yeah and that still is um, something I really wanted done and I was told absolutely not <laughs> and a Monroe piercing which is to the upper left lip okay. she often wore dark clothes and in the past she had sported big hair with green streaks instead of red Robert also had snake bite lip piercing now as I say this please don't think that I'm saying that the fact they stood out was a reason that they got into trouble or a justifiable reason. Robert Maltby did an interview in 2017 with the Guardian newspaper where he spoke about how the media focus on Sophie and Robert's appearances felt like a form of victim blaming and how he found it really patronising and such an oversimplification. So I think it's important we keep that in mind as we go on to speak about what happened to the couple and that whilst this has always been seen as quote-unquote goth murder and how intertwined it is within the subculture, ultimately, like any other attack and killing, this is something carried out by depraved people and was never due to anything the victims did or how they looked or acted. Yeah. Robert Maltby said in his interview always like Sophie Lancaster was killed because she was a goth no she wasn't she was killed because some assholes killed her why can't we ask what it is about them that made them want to murder someone not what it is about someone that made them be murdered and it kind of made me think quite similar on how I get very infuriated when someone is sexually assaulted and people go well what is she wearing there's no difference is there really no because you have the right to wear whatever you want Hmm. And that shouldn't make people act differently towards you. Exactly. And I kind of didn't think about this murder in that way Hmm. until I read his interview and thought, yeah, he has a point. And I guess the reason it's been so intertwined of what she was wearing is because of what her mother has set up in her memory, which is brilliant what she's set up. And I'm also not dunking on that. It's just, I can I can see both sides. It's one of those things where it's great to then put it at the forefront of a campaign, but also... Yeah, it's it important need to, to note be. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not the reason. Yeah, it's the murder of a woman who dressed in a different way, and it's important to mention that due to the work that's been done by her mum. But it's no different to any other case we have covered and not spoken about the victims' appearances. Yeah. So, just after midnight on August eleventh, two thousand and seven, Sophie Lancaster and Robert Maltby stopped at a petrol station to buy cigarettes after spending the evening at a friend's house together. It was here that they had a friendly exchange of a group of five local teenagers. However, as Sophie and Robert walked with the teens to Stubbley Park, where the group had been drinking on the skate ramps, Robert said that he began to feel anxious. The couple were chatting with the group and sharing cigarettes, when out of the blue, 
two of the teens suddenly started kicking and punching Robert until he was unconscious. Sophie rushed to his side, cradling his hair hands and yelling at his attackers to leave him alone. This is when the boys turned their attack onto her, kicking and stamping on her head until she lost consciousness as well. Now, Jess, did you notice what the date is today? Um, it is the 11th of August. And this means that today is the 15th anniversary of the attack. Oh, wow. And originally, I was actually going to speak about a different case. And then this sort of came up on my social media and I thought, oh. Oh, yeah, this is a good one to do. Yeah, it's something that I've wanted to talk about. Something that I've followed closely in terms of, I never really knew the ins and outs of it, I must admit. But I followed the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, so when I I thought, you know what, actually we'll cover this this week and the other case next time. Yeah. So 15 years ago today, in the early hours of the morning, Robert Maltby and Sophie Lancaster were attacked. A 15-year-old. Mad. I know. Like it was just out of the blue, and it's funny how he had. You said he felt anxious getting there. Yeah. Like he must have had some idea that some like these people weren't. They were obviously given off a vibe that they weren't nice people and he'd picked up on that. Yeah, I also think the park where they went to was quite renowned for rowdy behaviour by teenagers. And obviously, oh, okay. Robert and Sophie are a little bit older. They're not massively older. Um, she's yeah. 20, he's 21. But I imagine that it's a bit like if I was approached by a group of you know, kids who are obviously underage drinking in a park and smoking and sort of getting up to no good and suddenly mm. they're walking with me in a park, I'd be a bit like, ah, that seems this, like there's an undertone here. Yeah, sense not quite right. Yeah. Especially if, as you said, like, I know we're trying not to base this on the case, but they were of different group yeah. genres. There is a contrast in how the group of teenagers looked compared to how Sophie and Robert looked. So, yeah, yeah it's one of those things where... I, by all means, I think we should talk about their appearance in this. I think it's just good that we keep in mind that it's not the reason. But yeah, it, so it kind of sounds like they were more wrong place, wrong time rather than... A bit of both. I think obviously their appearance was a factor. He just never wanted Sophie to be reduced to that. To just that, yeah. A 15-year-old witness would later tell the police that the attackers were running over and just kicking her in the head and jumping up and down on her head. I started crying because I'd never seen anything like that. They were all just booting them. They were making loads of noises, screaming noises. And I assume they mean that the attackers were making loads of noises, but I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, that could be either. either. Well, is it, so in my head, when you said that they were making screaming noises, I thought, because obviously they've both lost consciousness at this mm. point. I wonder if they, obviously... Rob lo- loses consciousness before Sophie. Hmm. She's probably screaming at them to stop. Yeah. They don't sound like nice people. They're probably mocking those screams. Perhaps, yeah. That quote never really went any further to say what they meant. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a horrible thing to have to talk about, bless them. Well, another witness to the assault called for an ambulance, telling the operator, we need an ambulance at the cup park. This mosher has just been banged because he's a mosher. They then went on to say, he's lying on the floor, not even breathing. In the background of the call, two male voices can be heard trying to stop the attack, shouting, get off him, and describing Robert as practically dead, which in my mind is then being like, leave him alone, he's basically dead. Like, just being like, come on, what are you doing? 
Yeah, like this has gone far enough. Stop. Exactly. The caller then described how Sophie was also on the floor, saying that both are still breathing but are full of blood. The witness was clearly scared of the attackers as she told the operator, I'm not going to get done for reporting this, am I? Because all the bake-up lock will hate me because I've reported it. The operator tried to calm her down and asked for confirmation as to whether Sophie and Robert were breathing or not. The caller replied, They are both just about breathing. They've both got their eyes closed. The operator then tells the caller to try and stem the bleeding. So she removes her shirt and orders her friends to do the same and put it over the bleeding, adding to her mates, just help them for fuck's sake. The caller then stated that Robert started to vomit. She was advised to place him into the recovery position, which they did. By the time emergency services arrived on scene, the attackers had fled. The paramedics were appalled by what they saw. Detective Chief Superintendent Dean Holden stated... The paramedics and attendants couldn't actually make out the gender of both victims, particularly Sophie, because of the level of swelling and bleeding. Fuck. That's ridiculous. I know. That's insane. Both Sophie and Robert were initially taken to Rochdale Infirmary, with Sophie then being transferred to Fairfield General Hospital in Bury, and then transferred again to the neurology unit at Hope Hospital in Salford, which has since been renamed, by the way. Okay. The couple were left in comas due to their injuries with bleeds on the brain. Thankfully, after a week in his coma, Robert Mulby would wake up and begin his long path to recovery. But sadly, that was never going to happen for Sophie. Although her injuries were initially not thought to be life-threatening, she had no fractures or anything, Okay. her condition began to deteriorate, and after 13 days on life support, it was determined by doctors that she would never regain consciousness. On August 24, 2007, with her parents, her brother Adam and her boyfriend Robert by her side, her life support was terminated and Sophie died. Oh, that's so sad. Honestly. That's absolutely horrific. Like, I think it's one thing to stab someone or shoot someone, but Mm. to physically beat someone to death when there's people screaming at you to stop. Mm. Yeah, there was a scene in something recently, and I'm not going to say what because spoilers for everyone. There was a scene yeah. in something recently where the bad guy, the person got their revenge in the end and like basically beat them to death. And even though they're a really horrible guy and they'd done really horrible stuff to the person, I was still like felt sorry for them. And I think there's just something so visceral about the beating. It's such a personal, passionate thing. I think as well because for someone for you to hit someone hard enough for them to lose consciousness Mm. and then for you to continue to hit them when they're so defenseless yeah it's just so such an angry such an angry thing and And it's this is completely unprovoked as well like yeah they did nothing to make them so angry yeah it was purely entertainment entertainment for them yeah i mean i say luckily obviously not luckily for sophie but luckily for robert that that person did phone for an ambulance mm. and there were people telling them to stop and then they did help get him into recovery position and try to stem the bleeding as best they could. But yeah, it's, it's just uh, horrific. Her mother, Sylvia, spoke in an interview for the TV show Britain's Deadliest Kids in 2020 about her daughter's injuries and what she saw when she turned up at the hospital. And we're going to play you the clip now of what Sylvia saw. You walk in, it's horrible, and you look, 
And you think, how could somebody do that to a human being and leave them and think that that's okay? And I don't know who were crying most, actually, me, your dad, your brother, the nurse was crying. And, um, you know, she trained them out, it's both sides of her face. Her ears, her ears were massive. They were black and yellow and running with pus. And um, they'd obviously ripped a big chunk of her head out. And she had a long neck, and it's black, and it's crinkly and shiny like a beanbag. And the only other marks on that girl's body, up both arms and up both legs, and one on her back. The one on her back is where they booted her across the tarmac, and she'd obviously tried to defend herself. But everything was on her face, everything on her face, on her head. And I've never seen anybody who's been beaten up. It was shocking, really, really, really shocking. Initial assessments suggested that Sophie's injuries were not life-threatening. I was Sophie'd had CAT scans done on her brain. There were no fractures, no breakages. And so the first day they said, oh, she'll be fine, you know, come back tomorrow and um, we'll take her off the life support and she'll be fine. You think, oh, okay. You go back the day after, you know. And I'm just walking in, actually, as they're taking her off the life support. And um, they have sat up and she's spewing up. And she's going, no, no. And she's making movements with her hands like that. And it's funny, you know, I don't, I'm not very medical, medically inclined at all. But I do remember watching and thinking, God, that's not right. It's not right. You can see she is on the edge of tears for that entire video. Yeah. And obviously, I watched the video. It's only going to be the audio clip, but they do show a photo of her bruising. Mm, which we will put on our socials. Yeah. And she is literally battered, like <laughs> absolutely black and blue. I'm really surprised. So she's got what we call panda eyes, which is two black eyes. Yeah. Which you can't see in that clip if she's got any bruising behind her ears. But if she did, mm. it would be a feature. It would be suggesting she has basal skull fractures. But I've seen that clip. Her mum says that she had no fractures. And I'm really surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised she, she had no fractures. And you, they show her ears as well. And you can mm. see, like, her ears are... They look like cauliflower ears, like, mm. from years of playing rugby, where they're so, like, swollen. Yeah. And there was a photo of her underneath and... Like, you can't see any of her bone structure. No. She had lovely bone structure. Yeah, she has, like, proper cheekbones, a nice, like, jawline, a nice, like, thin nose. Yeah, she's really beautiful. Yeah, she's a really pretty girl, and then literally all just swollen and puffy. And, like, you can see the blood coming out of her ears, which is obviously... Yeah, it's it's, it's horrible. Uh, Yeah. And then, obviously, her mum talks about how they did actually get her to regain consciousness the next day but obviously it didn't go well and she was just yeah. throwing up even her mum says she looked at her and get bent that uh, she's not right yeah and then obviously they induced her back into coma yeah probably hoping that the brain swelling would go down and i'm guessing they would have been monitoring the pressure yeah and they would have seen that it just wasn't going down unfortunately um, is what i'm assuming 
Yeah. I've never worked on a neurology ward, but just from what I know from working in A&E and looking after patients a little bit with brain injuries, I, I could be completely wrong and that might not be what happened, but yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming they obviously saw her come in and thought, there's no fractures, this, the mm. bleeding's not going to get worse because she's not actively bleeding, but mm. she, yeah, I mean, scans unfortunately don't show everything. Yeah, so, something was going on. Yeah, and unfortunately, something, something she couldn't survive. Luckily, Lancashire police arrested five teenage boys in connection with the attacks on Sophia and Robert after questioning more than 100 people. Wow. I mean, people, they sort of knew straight away who it was because there were so many witnesses, but they didn't want to, they yeah. wanted to make sure they got everyone involved. Yeah. Originally, the charges against the boys were for causing grievous bodily harm with intent, but after Sophie Lancaster died, the charge of murder was also brought against them. Good. On September 6, 2007, 16-year-old Ryan Herbert and 15-year-old Brendan Harris were remanded in custody, while 17-year-old Daniel Mullet and brothers 17-year-old Joseph Holm and 16-year-old Danny Holm were all released on bail. Ryan Herbert and Brendan Harris had been singled out by witnesses as being the ringleaders and the two who had first begun the brutal and unprovoked attack on Robert Maltby. Wow. They're so young. Yeah. These, the eldest is 17, the youngest is 15. Like An unprovoked attack as well. Like, Yeah. All five boys were believed to be part of the same gang, the Bay Cup terror group. And I think this is probably what the 999 caller meant when she said the Bay Cup lot will hate me for reporting it. Yeah. I don't know the area, which you probably guessed because I called it the Cup and Bay Cup. So clearly I don't know the area. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've no, no idea. But I think it might be quite a rough area from what I'm gathering from what I've read throughout this report. If you live there and it's lovely, I'm sorry. However, despite the intimidating name of the group, prior to this attack, they weren't known for causing any brutality. I believe it was more that they sort of hung out and they smoked and they drank and they vandalized. More of a nuisance than actual, like, criminal. They were antisocial, for sure. Like, I think you wouldn't want to walk past them. They vandalized stuff. They put up, like, YouTube videos of them doing a rap. I know that for sure. Oh, God, that's just cringy, isn't it? Yeah, but it was was all very much, you know, teenage antisocial stuff that not all of us get into, but... You know, a lot of people maybe do and go on to live very good lives and never yeah, kill anyone. Yeah, it's something that some people grow out of. Some people, unfortunately, don't. Yeah. But, yeah. Maybe they would have done if... This hadn't happened, yeah. On December 14th, 2007, all five boys pled not guilty to both charges of grievous bodily harm with intent and to the murder of Sophie Lancaster. The trial began on March 10th, 2008, and now all five pled guilty to the charge of grievous bodily harm with intent. The murder charges against Daniel Muller, Joseph Holm and Danny Holm were dropped, with Ryan Herbert and Brendan Harris still being charged with Sophie's murder. So the other three, Daniel Muller, Joseph Holm and Danny Holm, they were all just believed to have been involved in the attacks and obviously okay. causing grievous bodily harm with intent. But it was Ryan Herbert and Brendan Harris who were seen as the ringleaders and the murderers. Yeah. Okay. Was it two male voices that were heard saying, just leave them? It was, but I believe that was the girl's friends who she was with. Oh, it was someone else. Okay. I think a lot of people didn't want to be named because of the antisocial behaviour groups that were sort of associated with the crime. Yeah. I wonder as well, like, although someone did ring and tell them to stop, whether they almost had, like, witness 
guilt as well as like actually I should have responded quicker. Yeah, I know people did take the stand in the trial and a lot of them received £250 each for doing so for bravery, which might be another way that we can show that speaking out was difficult within that community. Yeah. Because I don't think I've heard of another case where people get money for no just being a decent human and giving statements. But the judge did. Maybe it was also their age. I'm not sure how old these people were that were speaking out, but if some Probably of the perpetrators the are 15, scene. then yeah. It takes quite a lot of courage to come out. Ryan Herbert pled guilty to the charge of murder, but Brendan Harris still pled not guilty, meaning they had to go for a trial. Mm -hmm. He admitted that he punched Robert Maltby in the face, but claimed that he played no further part in the attacks. But the evidence was stacked against Brendan Harris. Whilst Ryan and Brendan were being transported, the police placed a covert listening device in the police van, through which they overheard the two having a conversation about kicking Sophie's head like a football. Additionally, around 15 to 20 people were believed to have been in Stubley Park at some point during the night of the attack, and so there were plenty of witnesses who could identify the five suspects and comment on their involvement in the murder of Sophie and the assault of Robert. God, so there was a lot of, a lot of witnesses then. Yeah, it seemed that the park was quite, like I said, quite a popular hangout spot. Yeah. Uh, for, like underage drinking and sort of like, teenagers getting up to no good mm. uh, to the point where I know local residents had actually asked for stricter patrols in the area but the councillor said it was too much money as well but also if you live next to a park and that it's quite intimidating yeah it is so yeah, yeah. and noisy all nights of the week oh yeah it would irritate you so much yeah even if it wasn't but yeah I'd find that so intimidating and I'm 29 <laughs> I would be yeah, like if you had to walk through it to get home or if it was just like, just like at the back of your house. Yeah. The trial lasted 16 days. And at its conclusion, on March 27, 2008, Brendan Harris was found guilty of the murder of Sophie Lancaster. Detective Superintendent Gradwell stated that he did not think that Ryan Herbert and Brendan Harris had recognised how violent the attack was. He added that they just did it without thinking and they seemed to have enjoyed it and carried on remorselessly, kicking at two very defenceless people who were unable to protect themselves because of the level of violence inflicted upon them. Gradwell also criticised the boys' parents, saying, I really don't think they have taken completely seriously how repulsive this incident was. He felt this was because during Brendan Harris's initial interviews regarding the assaults, he was laughing and joking with his mother. Oh, wow. Like, if your son is on trial for murder... Mm. you'd like to think you'd do a little bit more than laugh and joke with him like I mean I would say that I think in the initial interviews it's not murder I think Sophie was still alive but if I put someone in hospital Jesus Christ like if you punched and kicked someone so hard that they lost consciousness Mm. and we're now in hospital and you were a parent and you got that phone call to say that that is what your son had done how do you respond positively to that How do you laugh and joke in any way? Yeah. Well, on April 28th, 2008, Brendan Harris and Ryan Herbert were both sentenced to life in prison, with the trial judge recommending that Brendan Harris should serve at least 18 years and Ryan Herbert should serve at least 16 years and three months. The other three members of the group who were charged with grievous bodily harm with intent were sentenced also, with Daniel Mallett receiving four years and four months, whilst Joseph and Danny Holm got five years and ten months each which i still think is too short yeah that 
even the 18 years i'm like how old was he like 16 17 oh brendan harris was or was he the so it's hard to it's hard to keep up with who because there's so many yeah brendan house was 15 so he was the younger this and he got 18 years so he'll be out by the time he is 33 and yeah that's your whole life and ahead Sophie of you didn't still. even see her 21st birthday yeah that's not long enough no, it's not. And the four years and four months for beating someone to unconsciousness? Into a coma? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I would not be happy if I was, like, her family. No. And they weren't. No. Oh, also, can I just mention, actually? Yeah. Brendan Harris, getting 18 years, he also put the whole family for a trial because yeah. he didn't plead guilty. So they would have had to see all of those photos, hear all of those witness statements. Mm-hmm. Go through all the evidence all over again. But it gets worse. Less than two months later, in June 2008, all five decided to appeal their sentences. The appeals were heard on October 7th, 2008. Jess just rolled her eyes so massively. (laughs) Had to include that because it was the biggest eye roll I've ever seen. (laughs) And the results were then announced on October 29th, 2008. Jess's birthday. That is my birthday. Well, Ryan Herbert had his sentence reduced by nine months to 15 years and six months after appeal judges ruled that not enough allowance had been made for his guilty plea to the murder of Sophie Lancaster. Like, wow, okay, I get you admitted to it, but you still killed someone. Yeah, you took somebody's life and you also put someone else in a coma who is going to have traumatic mental and physical injuries for the rest of his life. Well, this is the thing as well, like, I get that we've got to show people that they get more lenient sentences if they plead guilty, because obviously we need to show people that there is a reason that you do that. Yeah. But he's now only going to serve 15 years and six months. Once again, this guy is, I believe, 16, even if he's 17. He He's gonna going to be in his 30s when he's out. Yeah, life isn't over. Yeah. I mean, I'm 29. I hope my life isn't ending within the next three to four years yeah also how long ago was this case 15 years so he could be out we will get to that oh god okay (laughs) thankfully at least the other four convicted boys appeals were dismissed and also how are they appealing the four years four months like take that and run that is nothing yeah really they should be able to, if you appeal and more evidence comes up to say that it was actually worse, they should be able to give longer sentences as well. I don't know if that is a thing. I feel like it has happened before, but I can't think right now. But can I just no. say, like, like, it takes longer to become a doctor than it does for them to have their sentence for yeah. almost killing someone. And what are these people contributing to society? Mm-hmm. Like, really, is four years in prison going to make them rethink all their life choices? Well, we can hope, I guess. Mm. Following the murder of Sophie Lancaster, Debbie Lee Park was covered with flowers in her honour and in support of Robert Maltby's recovery. Robert Maltby did eventually make a full physical recovery and in 2017, 10 years after the attack, stated that he had no lasting brain damage. But of course, this has forever impacted his life and his mental health. Of course. I spoke earlier about the interview where he stated how much he hated the branding of Sophie's murder as the goth murder. Yeah. 
and for contributing to that i'm i'm genuinely sorry the reason i have framed it in such a way is due to the context that has surrounded that day yeah and because i want to speak about the sophie lancaster foundation set up by her mother sylvia which i will talk about in, a, in just a moment yeah so i want to echo what i said previously police and the press and even the communities of both lancashire and the alternative scene may state that sophie and robert were attacked because of how they dressed and how they looked mm. and whilst this may have very well been a factor this wording does seem to place some sort of blame on the victim, much like I said when we speak of sexual assaults and discuss mm. what people were wearing. So I will reiterate, Sophie and Robert presenting as they did was not the reason for what happened. And if not them, it could have very well been anyone else that night or another time. In his 2017 interview, Robert speaks with the journalist from The Guardian and states that he believes in many ways that the attackers are victims too. As all but one of the perpetrators came from underprivileged backgrounds in poor areas. Areas which Robert states still haven't progressed and are forgotten. He says that he has never tried to demonise them. And I think that's really mature of him to be able that, to be like, yeah. you know what, they didn't really have a chance in life. Yeah, that is very, very mature of him. Because like someone's literally beaten you to near death and has beaten mm. your girlfriend to death and you still don't like obviously he blames them but doesn't fully blame oh, them yeah. he's I mean, like earlier in the article he calls them assholes he clearly hates them but he's trying to like be like you know what they were almost born into such bad situations mm. that they didn't have a chance and i think we all know what we mean by that like some people are sort of almost bound to go down a less than favorable path because nothing else is presented to them yeah like they don't have the opportunities to go to good schools and mm. get that good education and I don't want to like prejudice put on them that they're not going to succeed in life just because of where they came from yeah because mm. this is the thing it's we all forget that there is a lot of privilege and that yeah. don't get me wrong I don't think that it's a get out clause you know you're born into a bad way and therefore there's no getting out there's no turning your life around mm. but the chances are that, you know, you've already started off with a disadvantage, is the point. Yeah. Robert also spoke on the fact that documentaries and TV shows have dramatised the couple's appearances, and this can be seen quite clearly, actually. So in the BBC reconstruction titled Black Roses, which is the most famous one, which was actually mm. one of the most requested episodes to be repeated. Oh, wow. Robert's character is depicted with black hair, a heavy leather jacket and a silver heavy chain when in reality on the 11th of august 2007 he was wearing blue jeans a green hoodie and he had long mousy brown slash dirty blonde hair well i was gonna say in august i mean obviously goths do dress like alternatively as you said that it is a lot of black but mm. also it's august yeah. is anyone really going to be walking around in a black leather jacket exactly in august? <laughs> and even the actress who's depicting Sophie is dressed a lot more gothic than Sophie was on that night, I believe. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that obviously I know it's, you know, artistic license, but it does seem like TV shows have sort of taken the goth aesthetic and ran with it. Yeah. You know, it's like I used to watch Hollyoaks when I was 16 and they had like a emo character come in who I fancied the pants off of. He's actually a really <laughs> good looking actor and he's also many other things and he's gorgeous in all ways but he came in and he you know they really overdid his character he was called newt 
and I don't know if you remember mm. him. And he, they I've really never watched it. Oh. Well, they really <laughs> overdid his character. At one point, like, he used to wear eyeliner, which, you know, I loved guys doing when I was that age. Yeah. And, you know, they said to Mummy about your eyeliner. He went, it's not eyeliner, it's guyliner. Mm. It's like... <laughs> it's one of those things that's, like, so dramatic. Yeah, I mean... Yes, it is guyliner, but it is also eyeliner. Like that is yeah, what it's called. And like that thing, is his name. It's not called women's eyeliner. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that's the thing. It's always whenever a subculture is depicted anyway in media, I feel like it's always really overdone. Yeah, it's the extreme of it. Like it's almost like they show goths and emo kids and like even like chavs. Yeah, to go the other end. Like that's all they wear. Like as if people don't come home and put their pajamas on. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always very dramatized. So I know yeah. it is just a thing that the media does. But I just think if you're depicting a literal true crime case, like you don't need to put Robert into a leather jacket. Like he wasn't wearing that. He was wearing a green yeah. hoodie and blue jeans. That's a very normal outfit. Yeah. So he. I mean, he even said the only thing that made them look alternative was her facial piercings and he had snake bites you know i'm 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 sat here i've i've got my septum pierce and my nose pierce which is very you know it's it's, it's a non-thing yeah yeah like i remember going to school and it wasn't just like the emo kids i say in quotation marks who had lip piercings yeah or, or facial piercings like there was quite a few people like it was just the thing at that time in school if you're yeah. rebelling to I get had a piercing, a nose, and stuff, yeah, like a nose, a lip, an eyebrow, whatever it was, like everyone was getting piercings. And I think throughout time, it's always been, uh, obviously, piercings were less common, but I think throughout time, it's been a very normal thing to rebel to do something like that because piercings. Yeah. You know, you can do it myself at school. Don't. Yeah. You can. Don't. <laughs> but yeah, like I never got any facial piercings because of like cheer and stuff, because mm. obviously I didn't have long enough to let them heal before you had to take them out. But, you know, I got my belly button pissed. That was as rebellious as I got. <laughs> I, I couldn't rebel. My parents took me to get my belly button pierced when I was 13 when I asked. Hey, really? Yeah. But you couldn't do it. After Sophie's funeral, Robert had to move back in with his parents and his mental health declined massively. He became a recluse, essentially. Mm, I'm not um, surprised. He, yeah, he was living 10 minutes away from the park where it happened as well. Yeah. And in 2017, when the interview took place, he was still living there. Mm. Mm. But after receiving proper treatment, he found the strength to return to the park and then visit Sophie's grave, where he told her, I'm sorry, I have to find my life again. He felt as though his life had been put on hold after that fateful day. And so he returned to university to study illustration with animation, Manchester School of Art. And for a bit, he moved to Manchester for his final year. In 2017, when this interview took place, he was dating a woman in America and was planning a trip over there. I'm not sure if they're still together. Okay. Understandably, he was taking antidepressants, but required no other medication from his injuries. He stated that he found life terrifyingly meaningless, but in a strangely reassuring way, stating, life is chaos, anything can happen, and it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. No matter how significant something is to you, the universe doesn't care. But there's something freeing in that. Do what you want. What makes you happy? And I, I actually completely understand what he means. Like, obviously not for the same reason or the same like perspective. But yeah. I get what he's saying. And there is something reassuring. I get what yeah. it's reassuring to him. 
Yeah, and fair play to him for turning his life around because you, you're going to live again with survivor's guilt as well. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. why was I saved and she wasn't? Like, she mm. was trying to stop the attack on me. But it doesn't surprise me that he's had issues with his mental health after yeah. everything that he's been through. But happy that he's made a full recovery physically and mentally and managed to... I don't want move on is the wrong term, but continue his life yeah. and live it to the fullest. Well, and the reason I don't know whether he's still dating that woman is because he hasn't really given many interviews and he didn't give many or any, I believe, up until 2017, purely because he just didn't want to. I talk a bit more about him. I think we'll see why he doesn't want to. Robert is now living in London and still making art that is creepy and political, which is right up my street. Good. <laughs> if you want to check out his art, then I will link it in our stories after this episode airs. But I'm going to say, please only follow him if you want to see his art and not because he's a victim of a terrible crime. Also, if you're going to go and look at his art and his account, expecting to see anything about Sophie or about him being a victim, you're, you're going to be disappointed thankfully, because that isn't what he's wanting. It's for that reason that I won't be saying here what his Instagram and Linktree are, nor will I be adding anything about that to our episode grid post that we normally do. Uh, Because whilst I want his art and talent to be showcased, which is why I want to put it into one of our stories, I don't want him to continue to be depicted as a victim because this isn't what he wants. He says himself in the article, I'm trying to be Robert Maltby, the artist not Robert Maltby, the victim of a horrific attack with a dead girlfriend. And I really want to honour that. So, yeah, if you want to see his art, if you like creepy, cool, political, surreal artwork using mediums such as ink, paint, digital tools and clay, then check him out. He's genuinely talented and spectacular and deserves recognition in his own right as an artist and not just because of what he's gone through. Fair enough. Yeah, we will shout him out and is out there but just not in relation to this case because yeah. like, not what he wants and I hope if he notices that we've done that I hope he knows that we have all the best intentions and I don't want to sit here and be disrespectful you can see where he's coming from as well so yeah, like completely. yeah you so, can't you can't move on from something if people keep reliving it so yeah it's really good to honour his wishes here and don't spam him with it yeah, exactly. He's yeah. he, it is an art account. It's not any you know, it's his account. It's his life yeah. that he's living now. And um he can honor Sophie as and how he chooses to and if that if he chooses to put something out there, by all means it's different, but yeah. yeah. And he, like I said, if if this ever reaches him and we've upset him in any way, I'm genuinely sorry. We will yeah. always take redact things that anyone ever wants. I wonder if he does use Sophie as kind of like an inspiration to like drive him and be like I need to be successful because I've got given a second chance and she did in 2010 he did do an art series that uh was about her and the money which he raised went towards her foundation oh that's sweet that's really nice so yeah he's you know I don't think by moving on with his life he's ever forgotten her and how could he no but no 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 He's also trying to just live his life, and so I think we can all respect that. Yeah. So, on that note, back to Sophie Lancaster. So, since her murder, there have been numerous tributes within the goth subculture. 
yeah. the memorial bench was placed on Whitby's West Cliff in January 2008 for Sophie. And if you don't know, then Whitby holds a twice-yearly music festival for the Gothic subculture called Whitby Gothic Weekend. So that's Lovely. a relevance there. <laughs> Sophie's family and friends set up a website in her memory using the contributions from well-wishers and from events to set up a fund known as S-O-P-H-I-E. Sophie, standing yeah. for Stamp Out Prejudice, Hatred and Intolerance Everywhere. I like that because that's not just about like the goth and alternative yeah. subculture. That's like, it just shouldn't happen. Exactly. And also I like how it's not really like trying to push it into spelling out Sophie. It actually fits really well. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it works on two levels. It works really well. So Sophie or S-O-P-H-I-E is actually now known as the Sophie Lancaster Foundation or SLF and they aim to provide an appropriate memorial and a lasting legacy to raise awareness of the injustice perpetrated against Sophie Lancaster and to work towards a more tolerant, less violent society. Sylvia Lancaster also stated that the group will help fund sessions with young people to teach them about alternative cultures and to respect everyone and it became a registered charity in 2009. That's so nice. That's such... I love when you hear stories like this. They take such a negative and make something so positive out of it. It just shows, like... I'm always amazed that they can as well, because I always think when bad things happen to me, and I've never had anything this bad happen to me, obviously. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. Touch wood. I find it hard to just get out of bed. Like, if I have a bad day, I find it hard to get out of bed. Um, Yeah. you know, that's partly because I, I suffer mental health issues and I've always been candid about that. But also just because, you know, I think we're all, you know, sometimes get a bit consumed in ourselves, which is fine. Mm. We're allowed to. But when someone has something so bad happen to them, it's like, whoa. But she, uh, Sylvia Lancaster did say it. she felt like she had had two choices and that was either go within herself and just do nothing and just wallow, basically. Yeah. Which is also fine and valid. Or do something and she chose to do something good for her fair play what a strong woman yeah but i also think there's a certain amount of strength in wallowing sometimes because it's okay to wallow yeah it is it is in january 2009 bloodstock open air which is a british heavy music festival announced that they were renaming their second stage to the sophie lancaster stage in tribute and to promote the sophie lancaster foundation and in fact bloodstock kicks off today as in the day we were recording, August 11th. By the time it goes out, everyone will be heading home, sunburnt, yep. tired, and with sore heads. <laughs> yep. um, but I hope all my mates attending, uh, and I know there are friends currently there, I hope they have a great time, and I hope they thought of Sophia, her legacy, her legacy, her legacy while enjoying bands at her stage. And I, I hope you're not all too sunburnt, because you're all pale goths. Um, yeah, I mean, today, and it's not supposed to get any colder over the weekend, so... No, it's not. Good luck, take your sun cream. Yeah. There have also been a number of musical tributes and club nights in Sophie's honour, as well as documentaries and TV shows, including a storyline in Coronation Street in May 2021, on which the show actually worked closely with Sylvia to help tell Sophie's story. But I'd like to focus now a little bit on Sylvia Lancaster's main work, mm. so the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. Because Sylvia has worked tirelessly since her daughter's murder to spread awareness about alternative lifestyles and acceptance. She said that whilst at Sophie's hospital bedside, she told her daughter that when she had recovered, they would go around schools together to teach about acceptance. But when Sophie never recovered, 
the chance to carry out that work together was taken away. And so Sylvia carried on in her daughter's honour and in her fight. In 2010, Sylvia Lancaster became a member of the cross-party Hate Crime Independent Advisory Group to the UK government. And three years later, in March 2013, along with Professor John Garland and Dr Paul Hodkinson, she published their formal definition of alternative subculture, which was a vital step in beginning to protect alternative people within hate crime legislation. And yeah, like you need a definition of something to protect against it. Yeah, definitely. The next month, in April 2013, the Greater Manchester Police became the first police authority to record and monitor hate crimes against people from alternative subcultures. In March 2014, the Black Roses listening event and hate crime discussion went ahead in the Houses of Commons, led by John Robb, an English music journalist and singer. And later that year, in December 2014, Sylvia Lancaster received an OBE from Prince Charles in recognition of her work for community cohesion, especially in the reduction of hate crime. In July 2018, Sylvia received an honorary doctorate from the University of Bolton. And in July 2019, she received an honorary doctorate from the University of Surrey, making her Dr. Sylvia Lancaster. Or Dr. Dr. Sylvia Lancaster. Dr. Dr. <laughs> Sylvia Lancaster was a formidable woman who stood up for her daughter and everyone who has ever felt victimised because of who they are and how they present themselves. And sadly, I say was, because Sylvia died suddenly on April 12th, 2022, in Blackburn Hospital. In an Instagram post, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation stated that Sylvia had suffered with ill health for the last couple of years, but that her death was still unexpected. And I did see that at one of her doctorate ceremonies, she was in a wheelchair. I don't know if that's related to her ill health, but I think it might have been. Yeah, probably. The foundation continues to promote Sylvia's message and Sophie's legacy, as well as support Adam Lancaster, Sophie's brother and Sylvia's son. Her death came just weeks after the news that Ryan Herbert was set to have early release from prison, reducing his sentence to just 14 years and six months, due to the exceptional progress he had made during his time in prison. Sylvia was disgusted by this news and stated that she was very disappointed. As I mean, I. I'm disgusted by that news and I... I'm not even her mum. Yeah, <laughs> not even. And just to go back, like, if I had a hat, I would take it off to Sylvia. What a wonderful woman. Like, she sounds incredible. She just never and stopped then, fighting for her daughter. no. And for everyone, actually. Yeah, literally just to make the world a safer place for someone else. I mean, if I was to be attacked because of the way I looked, I would have her to thank for being able to prosecute on the grounds of it being a hate crime. Definitely. And I think just be able to say that to everyone. Like, if anyone listening was to be attacked because of how they looked, it can now be classified as a hate crime because of this woman. So, yeah, fair play to her, but... I wouldn't be surprised if that news did have some sort like if you are clinging on to life because for whatever reason like she sounded like she wasn't very well but then yeah. you get that devastating heartbreaking news and you're worried you're going to have to relive all that trauma again. Yeah. I'm not surprised it was like the final straw for her really bless her. Yeah, I think 
quite often we see in our jobs that your mindset can really influence your recovery and your health. I think quite often it's not spoken or understood enough how much that can affect our mental health. Mm. And by all means, I can completely see how that would be a devastating blow to you. And just cause so much stress, especially because if she now feels that she's going to have to start that campaign all over again. And it's like, yeah, he made great progress, progress that my daughter never got to make. And like we said, I don't really want to live in a world with him in it. So fair play that she doesn't want to either. And he's only going to be in his 30s. I mean, my sister's 34 and has just had her first child. Life can begin in your 30s. Not saying that her life wasn't beginning before she had her child. Do you know what I mean? Like, life can begin in your 30s. And why should he get to have his life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. People have career changes at 30. Like, my dad had a career change at 50. So, you know. Yeah. I always feel like when people who murder someone are released at any age, it's horrible. But, you know, like last, not last week, but the week before, we spoke about David Fuller and she hadn't listen to the episode then go listen but you know he got a good sentence we still thought it was short too short but he got a yeah. sentence that's going to keep him in there till death yeah these guys sentence doesn't even keep him in there till middle age it's ridiculous and actually sylvia said like it just shows once again that our justice system doesn't provide justice and that's what she actually said yeah i completely agree well Today, I want to leave everyone with this thought. We need to be kind to each other and not judge one another on how we look. And I'm not saying I'm always a kind human who acts perfectly. Um, I never want to be the one sitting here saying that and acting like I'm always kind and non-judgmental. I'm a human. And this is part of human nature, but at the same time, looks can be deceiving. For example, I don't think anyone would have looked at myself and Jess and ever put us as friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair, true. But yeah, we just clicked from the first moment we met. Yeah, I mean, oh. I think a lot of people, I, I don't know, because I do quite like like the rock music and that mm. kind of like, but I don't dress like that. Yeah, at all. And that was probably <laughs> me prejudging you in terms of like I wouldn't have looked at you and been like, we're gonna be friends because yeah, you know, you don't present in the way a lot of my friends present. Yeah, but actually, which is interest wise, we're quite similar in what we're exactly. interested in. And even if you really don't think someone's your cup of tea, that's okay. Yeah. Find another cup to drink and set that one down because that that analogy makes sense, yeah? Please yeah. tell me it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't need to be horrible to someone just because... They're not your cup of tea. Yeah. You can be civil. Yeah, I mean, as uh, Dita Von Tees, who I would say is sort of part of a subculture herself, once yeah. said... You can be the ripest, juiciest peach and you'll still find someone who doesn't like peaches. Exactly. So just be yourself and be kind to people. And perhaps Sylvia Lancaster put it better than I can when she said, let's celebrate difference and work together for a kinder and more tolerant world. You can donate to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation on their website, which is just www.com sophielancasterfoundation.com we'll obviously be linking it on there you can also find more information all about their amazing work past and present and i just have one other thing to say jess rather than ending on our usual stay spooky sylvia used to have a sign off on all their posts and it was love and light 
So I wondered Aww. if today, rather than saying stay spooky, we could say together love and light, if you're happy to do so. Of course I'm happy to do that. I kind of love and light. Love and light. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's kind of all that's left to say. Be kind to each other and love and light. Hey guys, if you have a ghost story or a case suggestion, please email us truecrimecovinpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at truecrimecovin or on Instagram and Facebook where we are at truecrimecovinpod. Also, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could rate us wherever you're listening to this right now, be it Spotify, Apple Music, or if you're on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up, click that bell, get notifications every time we post. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. Make these two witches smile. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, witches. witches!